Matthew chapter 16. So the church, the church, the church, that's what the Lord's been. Yes, amen. The Lord's been, uh, the church, say it, man. The church is what he's been, uh, he's been ministering to me. And so for those of you that are visiting, those of you that haven't been here for a while, those of you who don't know, you're not on Facebook, you're not on Twitter, you're not on Instagram, Lord, bless them in the name of Jesus, Father. We are New Covenant Church as of Friday the 17th will be the last service of New Covenant Church. Um, this is a journey that God has taken us on uh, since December of last year. And um, so the 17th, put it on your calendar, it is a Friday night. We will be having our last service here and we will also be doing a covered dish. So we get to eat and break bread and we're going to celebrate what God has done in this place and then we're going to leave it behind and move on to One Love City Church. Amen. So anyway, that's the, that's the agenda. So the 17th will be the last service. We will not have service that 19th because we're supposed to be out of this building by the 20th. But here's some updating news. I'm pretty sure we're going to close on this building this week. So we will no longer be in debt. That's right. No more a slave. Listen, I'm telling you, the lender, I mean, the borrower is slave to the lender. Thank you, Jesus. That's another time. We'll talk about that next year when we're one love. But anyway, um, so let me give you some updates kind of where we're at and some announcements. That my, let me pull my phone out because my wife said, you say it just like this. And I said, yes, ma'am. Okay, so Wednesdays we've been meeting to plan for the launch of One Love City Church. What we're doing is the, the first Sunday of One Love is going to be December the 3rd, okay? Now, there's two places everybody's like, where are we going? Well, welcome to the party. That's what uh, Abraham did. He said, where are we going to go, Lord? He said, don't worry about it. Pack up your stuff and move. I'll show you. So we're doing that. We're packing up. We're moving. Now, there's two places we're praying about. One is the Agarama Conference Center, which is right down the road which is from ABAC, owned by ABAC. And the other one is the Hilton Garden Inn. We're still praying about those two facilities. And so we're going to be making that decision this week. So Wednesday night I will probably more than likely have an announcement as far as where we're going. Now, having said that, Wednesdays is what we're using to plan the launch of One Love. December the 2nd is the Christmas parade for Tifton. Well, we're going to be in that parade as One Love City Church. And we're going to introduce ourselves to the community that night. And then we're going to have our first service that morning. So go ahead and get all the sleep you can get. Go ahead and rest all you can rest. Because that weekend, that week, that whole week is going to be wild, fun, and exciting. And it's going to be crazy. Now, we're getting t-shirts made that says One Love City Church. Okay? So this is, uh, this is what she wanted me to say. We're going to have short sleeve, long sleeve, or hoodie. If you want one, two, or all three, go ahead and get your sizes and the sizes of your children or anyone else that you know that wants a t-shirt, that wants to be a part of what we're doing. And we're going to march along the parade on Tuesday with those t-shirts, I mean that, that Saturday night with, those, with our t-shirts. And we're going to be doing some exciting stuff. I'm going to hold that one with uh, let you let you hold on to that with bated breath but we're going to be doing some things and we're not going to be just handing out candy 
We're going to be handing out some significant things, and we're going to empower you to make a difference in people's lives along that parade route. You understand what I'm saying? You, are you following me? So I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to do, but if you want to know exactly what we're going to do, well, then you come back Wednesday night and help us plan. Amen? So um, if you want those size, whatever size T-shirt, long sleeve, short sleeve, or hoodie you want, Go ahead and get those, write them down, and bring them Wednesday night. Or you can call Laurel. She's not here. She went with the children. You can call up to the office and give her those sizes. We don't know exactly how much they're going to be, but they're going to be the more we order, the less it is per T-shirt and all that kind of stuff. So don't worry about that. The Lord will provide. So anyway, get your, get your sizes. Now, if you have children, they go up to youth, small, medium, and large. If they're larger, if you've got one of them football playing youngins, and they're larger than a youth large, you know what I'm talking about? I was one of them. Y'all wouldn't think of it as looking at me, but I was. If you're larger than one of those, I was a little plump little baseball player. I'm telling you, I was a little short little. So if, you're, if you've got one of those Lawrence Thomas children that's plump like that, it's okay. The, the, uh, the sizes, once you get above that, they go to, you know, there's no female or male. They're just unisex. They're just me, small, medium, large, extra large, and extra, extra large. So whatever you want, don't let money hinder you. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let the money stop you. Just get the order in. I'd rather have you there with a t-shirt than not there because you couldn't, you didn't have the money. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll lengthen about it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Casey. Casey's the one. Listen, Casey's business is doing so well. And the yellow monkey. Favor, I'm telling you. So don't worry about that. Listen, trust me, don't worry about it. We'll get it. Okay, so if you have that, then get those sizes to us as soon as you can, okay? Now, the payment, whatever we decide, whatever it comes up to be, won't be due until we get ready for the parade. So it's going to be a, a whole, uh, not, le- not a month, less than a month away, but you got plenty of time. Um, for those, uh, let me make sure I got this right. Okay, so... This is what we're doing. We're not. We we're going to have a sign-up sheet, but we don't have a sign-up sheet today because we're still planning it. Wednesday night, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. We need to, people on the decorating team for the float. We need people on the construction team for the float because we've got to build the float. Brother Bill's going to let us build it at his shop, and we're going to have schedules and all that stuff. So we've got plenty for you to put your hands to. Amen. Everybody good? All right. Matthew chapter 16. Enough with the announcements. Matthew chapter 16. So, the church, the church, that's what he's been talking about. Now, last week, I'm just going to go over it real quickly. We talked about, number one, that first and foremost, the local church is the hope of the world. That the church was actually a mystery held that Ephesians tells us about until Jesus came and presented himself and revealed the, the mystery of the church. The word church means ecclesia, which is actually called out ones, those that are called out or assembled together in public affairs. But it's a very unique word because it's not given to anything local or common. It's specifically for people that go to church, the people that are, that are followers of Christ. So you are the church. The church is our name. It is the ecclesia. It is those people that have been called out by God to gather and assemble and take the gospel to the world. Are you following me? Now, we said that there's a twofold meaning in that, in that word. The first one was that it, had a, it meant that we had a purpose. 
that the church was called for a purpose. You don't call somebody unless you've got a reason to call them. And even when you're just calling people to chit-chat and shoot the breeze, you're still calling them for a purpose. What is that purpose? To chit-chat and shoot the breeze, right? When he called the church, he called us with a purpose. There's something that we've got to do. And we've lost that in the years gone by. But God is raising up his church. He is building. He, that's what he said, I will build. He is building his church. You know, the world really hasn't seen the church yet. If they'd really seen, if they've seen the church, their mouth would drop to the floor. Because the church is the single most powerful force on this planet that God created. Not to dominate but to empower and to, and to free people. We're the most powerful force this planet has ever seen, the church. People say, well, we need a big church. Do you know in Matthew chapter 18, he said that if two or more are gathered, I'll even throw this out there for you. Well, what about when you're by yourself? The Holy Spirit said, I'll be your two. If Jesus is the head of the church, Ephesians chapter 1, if Jesus is the head of the church and the Holy Spirit was sent in his stead and he lives and breathes and, and, and activates things in us, right? So then if the Holy Spirit is Jesus and he lives in us, and Jesus, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, verse 15 and 16, Paul makes it clear that he's been praying for them, the Ephesian church. Now you can pray this prayer over yourself, you can pray this prayer for others. Whatever you need to do, get your pen out, get your highlighter, highlight it. This is a powerful prayer. Pray it over you, pray it over your loved ones, pray it over the lost, pray it over the city, pray it over the world. This is powerful. He said, I did not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Not the knowledge of Christianity, not the knowledge of what you should and shouldn't do, but the knowledge of Him. So Paul says, I pray that you may know Him. You know, people have criticized me. They've said things about me. They've said things to others about me. They've said things about my wife to others. They've said things about my children to other people. And I said, you don't, you don't know me because if you knew me, you'd love me. And he says, the reason why people are angry at God, the reason why people resent God, the reason why people are bitter towards God and His people is because they don't know Him. And Paul said, I pray that you may have a spirit of wisdom and knowledge of Him. He's trying to make an introduction to Him. Not to a religion, to Him. And he said that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of the calling, which are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You can't know your calling. You can't know the riches. You can't know the inheritance until you know the one that gave the calling, that gave the glory, that gave the inheritance. Because I struggle. I, I can't get things right. I, I can't lick this. I can't whip this addiction. I, I can't get things in order in my life. I can't get my finances right. I, I can't get my heart right. I can't get all that. Because you don't know Him. If we knew Him, 
then when we did those things, we wouldn't be condemned because he doesn't condemn, he frees. And so he said, he said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? You can't know the power till you know him. You can't know the power till you know him and you know the riches and the glory and the inheritance. Then comes the power. We've been seeking the power. I think sometimes the church seeks the power rather than the one who gives the power. If I know him and I'm in fellowship with him and I'm connected to him, then when I come up on something that needs power, it's there because I know him. I was talking to my middle daughter and she was telling me about sometimes the things that the enemy comes against her and we were talking in bed and, and I was like, honey, why are you so, what is it that's going on? And she said, and she just really opened up and she expressed to me something that she had been wrestling with and she'd been wrestling with this for two weeks. Which I can understand that from an adult. This is my nine-year-old going on 18. She just she looked at me and she said, you know, Daddy, I'm not normal. And I said, I know that, sweetheart. I know that. None of us are normal. But she expressed to me this thing, and I said, I said, baby, the Bible says, and I just quoted what the word, I said, you don't let him beat you up no more. I said, the next time that thought comes, I don't care where you are, you stand up and you say, shut up. And she started laughing. She said, Daddy, while you were praying for me, she said, I saw the Lord and he was clapping, and he was smiling, and he was saying, I'm proud of you for telling your daddy what's been holding you back. He, now listen to me, she's, she's decades ahead of where I was when I was growing up. She's decades ahead of where we were when we were growing up. Ain't had nobody telling me that. My mama raised us, and, but there was some traditional charismatic, you know, charismatic, non-denominational can be traditional and religious. And so there were things that were coming out. But we're, we're raising this generation, this next generation, we're raising them up in such a way where they don't have the bondage and the luggage that we had. She knows him. To such a degree where that baby said, I saw the Lord clapping and laughing. Somebody said, I don't believe that. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. Somebody said to me, I don't believe in that healing stuff. I don't believe in that other stuff. That's okay. You have a manifestation of what you believe, and we have a manifestation of what we believe. And there's no condemnation. It's just that we've made a God out of knowledge and, and insight, and we don't know anything that we ought to know. I'm going to show you something in a minute. I've been reading for years, and I never saw it till this, till this day, till this morning. <clears throat> Which he worked. So this power, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age to come, but also in that which is, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. You ready? And he, God, put all things. How many is the word all? What does that include? Do you remember a few years ago I said that we've done a study on the Greek Hebrew and Aramaic word all and we've we've really dissected it and what we come to realize do you know what the meaning of the word all is all he put all things under he God put all things under his feet meaning Jesus right all things under his feet all things your job 
your finances, your marriage, whatever it may be, your, your history, whatever it may be. Whatever it is, has he not put it under his feet? So the church knows that. Even religious church knows that. And when I say religious church, I don't mean that we're not a religion. I don't, I, what I mean is we're followers of Christ. But there are churches that dictate things and they believe that everything is under Christ's feet. But listen to me, I'm fixing to pop that sacred cow right in the head. And he gave him, God gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Which is, ready, his body. The fullness of him who fit, who feels all in all. Who is the fullness of Christ? Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Then he said, who do you say that I am? And I heard the Lord say this week, who do you say you are? Who do we say we are? Because everybody knows who Jesus was. People know, people say who he was, and he said, but who do you? He was pointing something out to them. At that point in this timeline of the gospel, at that point, the most important thing they could identify was who Jesus was. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And the Lord said, he said to me this week, he said, ask them, but the most important thing for this timeline, for this dispensation, for this period of time, for this season, is for you to know who you are. It's for me to know who I am. Colossians chapter 1, and he says, he says in verse, okay, let's just start at verse 9. He says, for this reason, since we also, so he starts praying for the Colossians and asks that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. God doesn't look for the qualified. He looks for the ones who show up. He qualifies the ones who show up. Nobody, There wasn't one amen on that one? Well, I'm not qualified. It, you're right. He qualifies us. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to navigate this transition. That's why I depend on the Lord completely. Lord, how are we going to take this and birth this? And he said, I got you. I'll show you. And we get together as elders and I said, oh God, how do we do this? I got you. I'll show you. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Well, who are the ones that are called? The ones that show up. Why was David so anointed? Because he showed up. Was not Saul, let me ask you this, was not King Saul called? Was he not? Well, what happened? At some point, he quit answering the call. And the prophet said, no more. 
I will raise up someone with my own heart. And he went, went to Jesse, the prophet went to Jesse and said, where are all your sons? And he looked at all of them and he said, no, never one of these are it. You ain't got no more? He said, well, I got one rug rat out in the middle of the field, bring him. And he said, he saw him coming, he said, that's him. Why? Because he was out there doing something. God calls the ones that show up, Tony, that show up, Freddie. All you got to do is show, here I am, Lord, use me. That's all you got to do. Listen, I've seen the Lord take musicians that were and put his anointing on them. See, because if, it, if it's something that you can do, you can get the credit. One of the things that we have thoroughly enjoyed about this process of selling this and what God has done and, and, and just blessed us tremendously was we all sat around as elders and we said, the one thing you can say is you can't say we did this. God did this. Casey said, God gets the glory. He gets the glory. We didn't do this. We didn't even negotiate. How did we do anything? He did it. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And the called are the ones who show up. He has delivered. Stop trying to be delivered. Stop trying to go down that road where you, man, if I could just get delivered of this. That's the problem. He tries to keep you knotted up like you hadn't been delivered. You've been delivered. You just don't know it. It's already done. Well, the craving is still there. The desire is still there. Shut up. Sometimes I have a craving to slap folk, but that don't mean I do it. I do. Y'all looking at me with that sanctified, holy look. Sometimes people just need hands laid upon them. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us in the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. I would pretty much think that that covers everything. And He, listen, is the head of the body, the church. So that means that if everything is under his feet, if everything that was and is and is to come exists, comes out from him, through him, and he's over it, then guess what? You're over it. That's why he said all you need is a constituency of two. Two is the smallest majority that makes up the church. That's why it's so powerful. Let's just pray for this thing, whatever it may be. Let's come into agreement because he said we're two or more. And now we agree? And it will be done. When are we going to get to the place where we actually believe that what Jesus said was true? The reason why we struggle is because we still doubt this. The difference is I don't see this as a book. We should see this as a living, breathing person. 
For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Now listen to this. Pay attention to that. Underline it. All the fullness should dwell. In who? In Christ. Who is Christ the head of? The church. You ready? And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. See, it doesn't matter. That's why he said, pray thy will be done on earth as it is in Is there any sickness in? No. Is there any lack in? Is there any demonic oppression in heaven? Is there any addiction in heaven? And you, who was once alienated and enemies in your mind, in your mind. <laughs> we weren't enemies. We were just enemies in, his, in our mind. Because if we were enemies, he would never would have sent his son. That's why Jesus didn't come to, to crucify. He wasn't crucified for the penalty of you. In other words, to save you from the wrath of God, he was crucified because sin, the wages of sin is death. He's not mad at you. He never has been mad at us. He's not angry at us. If he was angry at us, he would never send his son to die for us. He would have just said, wiped us out and started over. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're blameless. Turn to your other neighbor and say, above reproach. In other words, it don't matter what people say. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's the problem. The reason why guilt, condemnation, bitterness, unforgiveness is around is because we've allowed someone to move us away from the gospel that was supposed to be preached to us, or it's never been preached to us. Which is where you come in. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news. You don't think this is good news? I'm going to use Tony for an example. Can I use you for an example? So me and Tony were talking. We were talking about people. And one of the things we were going to say was, um, you know, that, that people reject church because they feel condemned. By church. And I said, it's funny because sinners never felt that way around Jesus. The only people that didn't like Jesus were who? Church folk. Because he totally defied. Because he said, your religion, what you hold up, makes people in bondage. Not only does it put them in bondage, but it makes this not even work in your life. The reason why we feel those things, the reason why we go through these things is because we've not tapped into the fact that I, I'm reconciled. Well, didn't you mess up yesterday? I'm reconciled. If, if the condition upon the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins was for you to acknowledge that, then it was not good enough. The condition to receive the benefits of what He freely gave us is up to you and I. 
But the deal's already been done. The paperwork was signed. The deed was signed. You and I are forgiven. Whether you realize it or not, the blood of Jesus covered the sins of the world. But now for us to access that, we must what? Receive it. Now, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of His body, here it is again, which is the church, you and me, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. This mystery, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to His saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are His body. What I'm trying to get to is this. You will not find fulfillment in the world. The reason why the world is not fulfilled, the reason why the world hasn't found the fullness is because we have not been discovered yet. We have not raised up yet the church. But that's changing. The church is on the rise. I met with somebody this, this past week about the building downtown that we're looking at purchasing and we've got to go through, we've got to go before the city council and we've got to go before the the, another commission that's over the sale of the building. So we got to go through two government entities just to present to them what we want to do. And this guy that doesn't know me, Houston Schultz, who doesn't know me, I met him for the first time. We've been talking on the phone. He is so excited about what One Love City Church wants to do and the vision. And I said, I said to him, I said, Houston, they want us in the city. Because we bring with us a power that they don't have in and of themselves. And he said, that's what I told them. He said, well, what if we want to open a restaurant across the street that serves alcohol? Great. We'll start One Love Taxi Service. I got one laugh out of that one. You got that one? Let me tell you something. If you've got a little bit of religiousness in you, listen, it's easy to get people saved when they're drunk. It is. And they do. They may not remember certain things, but what you put into a person's spirit, they remember. Jesus, you know, it, that sounds eerily familiar. You know, well, we don't want bars around us. That sounds eerily familiar. Look at Jesus. He eats with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. What are we going to be like? Who do you say that you are? Who do we say that we are? In this book, in Chris Hodges' new book, the one that I got blessed with. Oh, and by the way, I got blessed with the other book that I wanted. Soar by Bishop T.D. Jakes. <laughs> I got that book too. My wife got me that one. And I'm just like, it's like, all this information is coming into the church by our, by our leaders, those that are in the kingdom of God that are leading. And Chris Hodges said this in the Daniel Dilemma. He went and someone purchased him a suit, a hand-tailored suit, which, you know, that's not 299 
That's more like $2,999. I mean, they're, they're not cheap. They custom made. Any of y'all seen Ocean's 11 and 12 and all that? That's, that's what the suits look like. They're imported silk. I mean, they just, bam! So he went and he took his wife with him because his taste in clothes, he said, is terrible. So, of course, I took my wife. And so he's going. And so anyway, they come into this little, you know, it's like a shopping center, you know, just a little storefront suit maker that's been making suits for generations. And he makes very expensive suits for some of the most renowned Christian, you know, televangelists, whatever you want to call them that you see. So he went in there and he noticed that there were statues all over the wall of different gods. And the whole premise of the book is how to be a light for Jesus and stand firm with what you believe, but yet present it in love. How to love people without compromising what you believe. Which I would think that's where we are. Would you not agree? So... He goes into this and he starts measuring and he's just talking to the guy and loving on the guy and just being a witness to the guy and he says, you should come. He said, you know, I really appreciate it. This was great. He said, I'll come back and pick it up. And he said, can I say something? He said, what do you do? He said, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a pastor of Church of the Highlands and this, that, and the other. He said, he said, can I tell you, you're the only person, you're the only Christian that's ever come in here and not condemned me for what I believe. He said, well, why don't you just come to church? Because we got more of us like that. He said, I think I, I think I will. So a couple of weeks later, he came back and picked up the suit when it was ready. And he invited him again. And he, So he ended up coming to church or whatever. But what he said was this. He said, I went out to eat with someone that, that I was making a suit for. And if we called his name, he didn't tell us. Chris Hodges didn't say the name of the guy in the book. But he said, if I said the name, you'd know him. And he said, they went down to eat. And he said... You know, what you believe is wrong, and you're going to go to hell. And he said, but what, what he didn't do was he didn't minister to me. He didn't tell me. He just told me that I was wrong and that I didn't believe right. And he said, when I left there, I felt worse than when I started. And Chris said, it, it, it really woke something up in him. And this is what I'm going to say to you. We need the revelation of the gospel. And if God's not holding something against someone, then why aren't we telling them that? Why aren't we portraying that? Why aren't we eating with sinners and tax collectors? I don't even know what the equivalent of a tax collector would be because it wouldn't be a county. Maybe it would be like a city official. Oh. What would a prostitute look like? I'll also have some of you on that one. They don't know. And he said that he, God, gave him, Jesus, to be the head over the church, which is us, and put all of it under our feet. And gave us. Do you realize that the, the, not only do we have a purpose, but we have power to carry out that purpose. We have the answer that they're looking for, and they don't even know it. The fullness you won't find it. You'll only find the fullness of him. Listen to me. That's why Jesus said, it is better that I go. Because if I don't go, you can't go. And they said, that don't make no sense. 
why would we let you go when you're here? He said, because if I don't go, the one that the Father wants to send won't come. And if he won't come, then you can't do what I did. But if he comes, the Spirit of truth, whom the world doesn't receive, but you receive him because you know him and he's been with you. And when he comes, he will not only be with you, but he will be in you and he will empower you to do greater works than I did. And they said, what? Greater? Not greater in quality, but quantity. I'm one man. I have two eyes, one mouth, two ears, two hands, two feet. I have 12 hours, 24 hours in a day just like you do. There is only so much that I can do. I can't do. Jesus was constrained by the same thing. Jesus chose not to supersede the constraints of time, which he could because he's over time, but he didn't because he wanted us to see that I got to get out of here because if I don't get out of here, then I can't equip all of you. See, I can only do so much, but how much can you two do with me? And you two do with me. And you two and you two. Everything's twos this morning on the front row. How much can we do? Look around you and see how many people. How much can we do together as the church, the head of what the world sees? They haven't seen us yet. They're getting a glimpse of who we are. We carry the power and the authority and the dominion to set right things in this earth and to be that light and to run for office. And to run for things that the, the, this guy, the Houston Schultz, he's a believer. But he needs backup. We're his backup. I don't know what's going to happen when we go before the city council. I mean, I'm believing for that. I'm believing for favor. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to hold back. Or why should I say we? Because y'all going to be there too. This is what we want to do. We want to be a blessing to the city. That's one of the reasons why I'm leaning more towards ABAC. Because ABAC is the community college. ABAC is the, is the place where we, and we've always had a heart for ABAC students. They need what God has deposited in us. See, well, until the church realizes that you want us in the city, See, until it, it took me a while to realize that. People said, well, why do you want to go in the city? Because that's where the power is. That's where the influence is. Why do you think First Baptist is at every city, in every country, in every, everywhere in the world? Because they recognize and realize if they're going to have influence, they've got to be in the city. And I talked to the pastor, Wayne Rowe, the other day. I ran into him, and I was telling him a little about what he said. Well, where y'all going to go? We're going to go where y'all at, in the city. I said, we want to be where y'all at. Not like y'all's building. Saying, we're not coveting your building. I say, but we want to be in the city. Why? Because that's where, it's like that's where the influence is. And what's ironic is the building that we're looking at, that they wanted to grow the downtown city of Tifton south of 82, but they hadn't been able to. And I said, you will when we get there. Because we've got entrepreneurs all in the, in the body. we got boutiques and coffee shops. Restaurants, there's a restaurant in downtown Thomasville called Jonah's. 
there's so much potential within this group right here, right now, this morning. And all he's asking, listen to me, I'm going to close with this. All he's asking us to do is to believe. He's not asking you, I said that to you before, I won't say it to you again. He's not asking you to pay for it, right? He's not asking you to pay for it, the expansion. He's asking you to believe for it. He's asking us to believe with you for it. He's not asking you to launch out into a ministry by yourself and pay for it. He's asking us to believe with you for him to agree that that thing will take off. He's not asking her, your daughter, to do this thing all by herself. He's just asking her to believe. Ask us to believe with you. That's all we got to do. Money's no object with God. But that is a huge hurdle for us to overcome. Not anymore. You're telling me that God can sell this building. God can provide for us to where we'd be debt free and he won't do it for you. Well, you've been faithful and dedicated and diligent and trusting. I'm telling you. I mean, I'm, I'm getting ridiculous with what I'm believing God for. If I told you what I was believing God for, you wouldn't believe me. Maybe some of you would. But I'm asking the Lord. I said, I want to believe big. I want to rock Tifton so hard that people from other countries look at us and go, what are you doing? You see how I throw that in there? Push you beyond your boundaries? What? Other countries? One love, city church, to be the light. I even talked to somebody this week. Can you throw up the logo? Or is that, is that all, is it not loaded? Maybe not. One love city church. The word love is in red, but it's smaller than the word city. And I had somebody say, you know, well, I'll tell you, it was my mama. I was trying to, see, but if she was here, I'd throw her under the bus anyway. So she said, y'all should have made love bigger. I said, really? And I said, if God was going to logo John 3, 16, what would be bigger? Love or the world? And she said, mm, you can see the wheels turning. And I said, because love has to have something to express itself to, the object of its affection. And it said that God so loved the world that he gave. So that giving, there must have been some kind of emphasis put on the world for him to give his only begotten son. In other words, he wasn't wanting the world to know that it was all about his son. He wanted the world to know that it was all about I want you to know that my goal, the mandate upon my life as your leader is to make it all about you so that you make it all about them. I want you to be empowered. And this man right here, we have conversations often about the frustration that we have sometimes used to be more frustration, but not so much now. But there was frustration, wasn't it? Frustration because we want you to do what God has called you to do. We want you to be everything. It's like, the what was it, the Marine? Be all that you can be. We want you to be everything that God has called you to be. And I don't know why, but I know now why the enemy, see, the enemy has come against the family. He comes against the family first. But after the family, who does he come against? The church. Why? Because the church is the fullness 
of him. And if he can debilitate the church, he can debilitate the fullness of God being expressed in the world. You and I. That's why there's been so much confusion about Ephesians chapter, uh, about the Ephesians gifts. See, not everybody's called because Jesus said this. He said some, Ephesians chapter 4, he said, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, the body of Christ hasn't been edified because we've done it backwards. You think, not you, because I know you don't think this way. Or you shouldn't because we've said it 4,000 million times. But we as people have thought that the power to do the works of Jesus was in the hands of the fivefold ministry. But that's not true. The truth is, the power of the fivefold ministry is to empower you to now go and do and be that expression of God in this earth. So that's why my man, that's why I'm so tough and so hard on putting that on you and helping you do that because that's my responsibility and you may not like that there are people that don't oh, I don't want to do that I just want to come to church well you don't want to be a part of one love because that ain't what we do we got a job to do in time in the fullness of time the fullness of time is now it's here and the, deep down inside everybody wants to do something there's a purpose inside of man to do something and until we ignite that and light that up, man will die. You and I were never created to sit at home and not do nothing. We were never created to be isolationists. We were never created to go into Alaska and what are those woodsmen where they don't see people for months. We were never created. Maybe you were created to go to that place and tell them that. Maybe you, maybe you were created You were created for such a time as this. In all of heaven, one of my daughters asked me, they said, they said, Daddy, are people looking down at us as what we're doing? And I said, well, part of that is true. It says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. They're looking and going, what y'all going to do now? This is amazing. Do you realize the time that we live in now is more than any other time. They, they look at us and they envy where we're at because we have the ability, we have the power to do what they didn't do because it wasn't in the dispensation of time. But it's here and it's now. It's now. Take the limits off of what you're believing God for. Don't even put a limit. Don't put the limitations on it. Put some words to what you're believing God for. What is it you're believing God for? I said I knew that God had called me to the ministry 12 years before I ever stepped into it. But I knew there was something on the inside of me. I knew. I knew before I met April. I wanted, there were certain things that I wanted, that I wanted. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wanted. And I said, Lord, you said you would give me the desires of my heart. 
And I said, if I, I'm just being honest, I'm just telling you what I told him. I said, if I can't have what I believe is a desire of my heart, then I'd rather be single for the rest of my life. We were talking about that this morning on the way to church. I was telling Tony. He was like, man, you, your wife, you and your wife, y'all make a pretty couple. And I said, I believe God. And I said, look, I try to tell young people all the time, you'd rather stay single than be miserable for the rest of your life. And then I said, I, I knew I was called to the ministry, but it was year after year after year. And I talked to somebody one time, and he'd been in the ministry for like five minutes and talking about, I want to preach. I said, you come back and see me when you've been doing it for 12 years, and you don't see nothing, but you still believe in God. You impatient thing. But see, I had to get to a point where I rested in him. When we rest in him, and we identify who we are, there's a release that comes off of us and we just begin to walk around in such a state of peace and rest like never before. Stand to your feet. Listen to me. In the message version of Ephesians, it says, He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen to this. The church is not under the circumference of the world. It's not surrounded by the world. You don't come to church and then live the other six days of your life in the world. The world says secular. There is no such thing as secular. If you're a teacher, a banker, a physician, it's all spiritual. Everything that we do as children of God should take on kingdom significance. It's like when people say, well, it's nothing personal, it's just business. You lie. It's all personal. It's like, well, I don't work in the secular. I've had, to, I've had to change my language. I don't work in the... You're right. It's all spiritual. Everything we do is spiritual because we're spirit beings. And the enemy tries to get us to think in terms of, well, right now, you're not being spiritual. You're being natural. And you just go, shut up. Everything I do is spiritual. Everything. We mopping floors is spiritual. We fishing is spiritual. We know it's spiritual fishing. Because Jesus said, come follow me and I'll show you how to be fish as men. Everything we do is spiritual. Everything. Every piece of tile that Casey lays is spiritual. Every mile you drive is spiritual. Everything you do, every bag, everything you do, every person you come in contact with up there in public is spiritual. Every car you fix is spiritual. Every person you pour yourself into leadership-wise, more is spiritual. Sarah, every woman, everything you do, when you talk to your kids, is spiritual. You're raising up. You guys are raising up the next. We're raising up the generation that I believe won't even see death. Everything we do is spiritual. Everything. So we're drawing this thing to a close. I don't mean the service. I mean the church. This church, New Covenant Church, and I'm trying to get you lit up and juiced up 
You remember them cars, you know, that you pull the string? And the faster you pull the string, if you, some of y'all who never had, you see, this was before we had this. You pull that thing. I used to, man, I used to pick that thing up, and I used to get that thing as fast, and then I used to drop it on the ground and say, zoom. That's what I'm trying to do to you. I'm trying to get you juiced up so that on December 2nd, we're marching through the seat, and you already got in your mind, you're the church, and so you're carrying in your hand a gift card. I let the cat out of the bag then. Maybe you're carrying around a $50 gift card, and you're walking along, and you see somebody, and you walk up to them, and you go, here, we want to bless you. Or maybe you're walking around and you see someone and you hand that and they just break down in tears and they don't know why they're alive. And you can pray for them right there on the parade route. That's what I'm trying to get you to juice up for. Because this isn't going to be normal what we think. See, this is going to be equipping from here on out. We're not going to be stopping. We're not going to let off the gas. We're not, all we're going to do is change gears. That's all we're going to do. Because we got something to do and we've wasted enough time, the church, the church, not just us, the church have wasted enough time. we got too much to do. That's what's in me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For getting us ready. Father, you said, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And then you said, but who do you say that I am? And you've said to us, who do you say that you are? Because we see what you say we are we are the church we are the body come on grab the person's hand next to you we are the body we are the church we are the chosen ones we are the called out ones those that are called to to live a life of expression and representation to this world starting with the city of Tifton starting with your sphere of influence. Leave this place today knowing that we are the church and that all things have been put under His feet. He is the head, so all we've got to do is follow Him. Do what He says, when He says it, and how He says it. Lord, we thank You for that. And if there is anyone here that hasn't made that choice to follow You in their life and make You Lord of their life, we give that to you right now. If that's you, just pray that with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give myself, my will, my heart to you. I say you are Lord of my life. Come on, let's just all say it. I say you are Lord of my life. I will go where you say go. I will do what you say do. I will be your representation and the expression of the kingdom of God to people around me. In Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Morris and Sarah, why don't y'all come up here and just dismiss us in prayer. For those of you who don't know who this is, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Everybody knows. This is Morrison, Sarah. Wait a minute. They've been traveling a lot, out of town a lot, but they're still with us. Amen.
Um, I want. I got to set this up. Uh, Sarah was speaking to me about wanting to share a testimony about uh, a church that's moved to the center of a city, and I'm going to let her share that. So build your faith, and it is a testimony of God's favor, and that's what's going to happen in one love. I declare it. They, this church was praying. They had their intercessors together, and they were praying. And God gave a vision of a building. And they had already been in the city for two years on Friday nights walking around and praying for people. And so they, they went down and they found the very building that the vision had. And then the, just like we're going to do, they started with uh, the city manager. And then they went to this, uh, the planning commission. And when they got before the planning commission, which was the final hurdle, um, they asked, what if a drunk is on in front of your church? What if they're drinking next door? What if this? What if that? And, and uh, the pastor said, well, then we'll pick them up. What if there's trash? We'll pick that up. What if, and, and so anyway, favor fell on them and they got they were voted where there was no chance a church could go in they voted for them to go in and and I just want to tell you that God's favor is going to be on pastor when he goes I, I believe it I believe it and we're going to be downtown and it's going to be easy pastor the Lord says it's going to be easy don't don't fret and don't sweat and, and that little church is just over here in Albany. And they are downtown now meeting. They've been there about a month. And they're in the center of that city. Let's claim that. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to come together corporately. Lord, that your church, us, the body, we do have dominion. It's given to us from the Father to the Son to us. And it's nothing to think lightly about. It is the dominion, the power, the rule, and the authority that you, you have placed upon your Son as the head. We are representing that in the earth today. We are seated with Him in the heavenlies here and now. We are spiritual in that aspect. We are seated with him in the heavenlies, and we declare that the city of Tifton is yours, Lord. It is yours, Lord. Now, Father, as we go forth, I, I pray that we carry forth, Lord, the, the, the dominion and the authority that you have given us. And that where we, again, as where our feet are, you are. You are with us every step of the way. Now, Lord, bless this congregation. Bless the families here. May there be a blessing poured out on each family represented here this day. For this week, Lord, you come supernaturally blessing each and every one here. And let there be amazement and let there be testimonies concerning that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.